Well, we not only have family songs and prayers and declarations, but we are the people of God for the glory of God. Just a little review from last week. The church is and we are the family of God. We are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. We are a house of prayer for all nations. We're coming back to that one. We're a building not made with hands. We're the administration, the distribution of Jesus. We're the pillar and support of truth. We, as the people of God, the church, we're the army of God on planet Earth. We're the fullness of Christ. And we, the people of God, are the eternal purpose of God in Christ Jesus. Woo! Every time I look at that, I think, I think we're underliving <laughs> what God intended for us as a people. Well, today we're gonna highlight a house of prayer for all nations. Amen. Give me a little more whoop than that. We got to go. House of prayer for all nations. All right. So um, in 2013, um, we had one, a, uh, one of our couples working in the Middle East um, were, were imprisoned. Um, and um, we got word that, uh, again, because of their work, there was a move of the Holy Spirit happening, many Muslims coming to the Lord, up to the hundreds of them coming to Jesus. One of them uh, turned them in uh, to the authorities. They were taken to prison. And immediately, we began to pray as a community. We began to lean in on their behalf. We began to work in every channel we could to uh, get their release. The initial communication was, hey, they're going to be there a long time. These, these challenges are great, and then literally the court system is very complex. Well, we just said, no, Lord, come on, set the prisoners free. And so we began to lean in and we began to pray as a community about a couple of days into that. Uh, myself and some of our U.S. pastors and Joe Yuen were supposed to go out to Irkutsk, Russia, which was one of our original church plants, to celebrate a 20 years of that church. And we get out there, and of course, I'm burdened by everything that's going on with our friends in prison. Got a little sat phone. I'm keeping up with everything going on. And uh, the first night we were there in Irkutsk, we go to the meeting, and we are celebrating, again, so many good things. And they kind of surprised me. Uh, one of the officials from the city comes up, and then the pastors of the five different churches there now come up. And they said, um, hey, we, in, in honor of this celebration, we wanted to honor you and the whole Antioch movement, and we wanted to give you a key to the city. And they bought this really cool key. It's a city of about 700,000. And mainly, we got a key to the city because of the work that our people were doing there. They were doing a lot of work with AIDS. They had actually seen people supernaturally healed of AIDS. It was kind of a, 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 a what is it, a test, such a great testimony throughout the city. But they gave me the key to the city. And we had a great time. We celebrated. We all went back to our room and immediately checked our phones. What's going on? Man, it's getting challenging. The, they, they say they're going to be, the, our friends are going to be in prison a long time. And we said, look, okay, we're all praying. And Joe, of course, Joe Ewan says, hey, let's take that key. And in the spirit, let's put it in the door and let's turn it. And let's trust God to open the door that no man can open. 
So we all agree, these pastors leaders, we're praying together, we're crying out to God. At the right time, we take the key, we all put our hands together, there are five of us together. We turn the key, let that prison door open in the name of Jesus. And we rejoice, and we just had such a sense of a breakthrough. Well, within 24 hours, we got the word that they were set free. It was a miracle. It was such a miracle. And though that's a big and dramatic story about praying for the nations and having people in the nations, I want you to know that God's giving keys out today. He's giving keys to the kingdom for you to unlock prison doors in your own heart, in your family, in your life. He's giving keys out. He's just asking you to take the key of the kingdom and turn it. We just did the Lord's Prayer, and the first two lines, very simply, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, adoring and worshiping God. You can do that. That is prayer. And then that second line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So many times we struggle. I don't know how to pray. I'm not sure what to pray. I got it. Got it. That's why I gave you the little card for the fourth time this year, the Lord's Prayer card. Because Jesus, the disciples felt like you and I did. How do we pray? And he said, pray this way. Our Father art in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Literally, when you pray that, it unlocks the door of heaven to impart the rule and reign of Jesus. You can pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in your own heart. You can pray it in your marriage. You can pray it in the workplace. You can pray it on behalf of the nations. This is the will of the Lord, the rule and reign of God. Isn't that encouraging? So everybody can pray. Hey, turn to the person next to you and say, your kingdom come, your will be done in your life in Jesus' name. Go, go for it. Thank you for doing that. Powerful day already. Everybody just got the will of God, prayed over them. But it's been a fun week kind of thinking about this message. Uh, I have a friend, Michael Sullivan, and um, he uh, has been uh, um, on this journey of adoring God. And his whole kind of revelation is to adore God is a door into heaven is a door forward, is a door for what I, where I need to go. When I adore him, it opens a door. Does that make sense? When we worship God rightly and we see him for who he is, it opens a door of faith, it opens a door of hope, it opens a door of love, it opens a door for prayer. As we open our hearts to, in adoration to God, it opens up things. We just experienced that as a community. The worship was so sweet because we were opening up our hearts. We were adoring God for who he says he is. He's worthy, he's holy, he's right, and it opens up everything inside of us and lets us begin to see clearly again. To adore is... Adore. And the other thing that Michael and I were talking about this week is this whole idea that um, at certain elevations, snakes can't live. Now, let me translate this. It's called living above the snake line. In many cultures, 9,000 feet would be the snake line. Uh, and in other places, 11,000 feet would be the snake line. But when we live above the snake line, we have nothing to fear. The snakes can't have you. So if you're camping at 11,000 feet and you're scared of snakes, you're great. You don't have to worry about it. Snakes can't live above the snake line, they call it. When we adore God, when we 
come, if you will, above the snake line in worship and prayer and in trust in Jesus, we're no longer wrestling with flesh and blood, trying to get the snakes out of our life, if you will, but we're coming from the throne room and we're declaring the rule and reign of God. <coughs> Excuse me, go to water. Rule and reign of God. <coughs> that was a, that thought choked me up. It's amazing. <laughs> we're declaring... <coughs> We're declaring the rule and reign of God. It's going to get better. Just keep talking. We're declaring the rule and reign of God into our situation. So let me <clears throat> encourage you with a scripture around that. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God, being rich in mercy. That's a good thought right there. Rich in mercy. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So there it is. Through the blood of Jesus, the door is wide open. He seated us judicially with him in heavenly places. He put us above the snake line so that we feel that we can have confidence to pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your rule, uh, rule and reign be done in our lives in any situation and, and, and among us. So often what we feel like is beggars clawing up from earth, just give me a little help, just give me a little help. Jesus said, I gave you my cross, my death, burial, and resurrection. You trust in me by the Holy Spirit. You literally live with me in heavenly places. So let's do battle. Let's declare my righteousness, my glory, and my grace from a place above the snake line, not in and among the snakes. Okay? That gets us going here, right framework. And obviously, we've already talked a little bit about it, but why do we pray? Why does God ask us to be a house of prayer for all the nations? And though there are many things we could talk about, I just wrote down a couple, because our need is great and their need is great. Our need, here are the basic needs of mankind. I need salvation. I need forgiveness of sin. I need to know that there's a savior out there. I need healing. I need mental health grace. I need relationships challenges. I need help and hope in my relationships, my finances and provision. I need to know God's will and God's purpose uh, for my life. I need to know how to be a witness for Jesus. And I love this one. I need to know the joy of the Lord as a son or a daughter of the living God. And when I pray rightly, when I live to adore him, and when I pray his rule and reign of my life, these things are not only available, these things are the very things that God gives us power to see his grace show up over and over again. Um, uh, last Sunday, if you guys were here, uh, Zach Jones, uh, one of our zone pastors, got up and shared uh, his story of seeing breakthrough in a friend's life. And the way it started was this, Zach talked about, um, he was sitting in a meeting that we were all in and he said he was a little distracted because he was just reviewing the needs of his friend's life. One, uh, uh, a woman that they're family friends of, she has a tumor. Another person had a, a cancer return. Another person had a kid away from the Lord. Somebody else had a struggle uh, in another way. And in that, that, reviewing that in that particular meeting, he had just said, enough, enough. I, I'm not just going to sit here 
and just watch life go by, we're called to pray. I want to get my friends around my friends and see what God would do. So he called his friends. He called people to come from uh, his uh, zone, life groups, and people just started showing up. Very busy people with a lot going on. But listen, I can tell you this, need will take care of the time. If you feel that the need is significant of you, you will find time for what you need to find time for. Well, this group not only showed up, but they showed up with their kids and they all gathered around each one of these prayer requests. One of them, they saw a, a miraculous move of God. This guy had had a, a problem with uh, losing weight. They didn't know what it was. The doctors didn't know. And that had turned the corner that week already. The other had not seen significant breakthrough, but they'd found incredible comfort from God just by the people of God gathering around and getting in the journey with them. Well, at the end of, of Zach sharing that, we just said, hey, who has need? We want to pray for one another. And guys, I have heard so many stories, not only of people being comforted, but some miraculous things happening, people being healed, people coming to the Lord. Just that testimony unlocked faith in the room for people to get help. Well, at the end of the second service, Joe and Yvonne Ewan came up here, shared some words, they'd, impressions they had had from the Lord. And one of the words that Joe had was that there's somebody with like a pinched nerve in their neck that has been very hurtful uh, to them and that God wanted to heal them, restore them. Uh, a lady, uh, uh, she and her husband family have just been coming since January, so they were new to us a little bit. And... Um, when she came up, she found Joe, and she said, I feel like God sees me. Isn't that great? She didn't proclaim the healing. She just said, I feel like God sees me. He knows me. That's so beautiful. And Joe, of course, said, well, did you get healed? <laughs> and she said, well, uh, by the way, I, I feel good. I mean, like I, I feel normal. And uh, this week, she's had a great week, and uh, in the grace of God, something that uh, kept her even from hardly going on long walks or jogging. She's walking, she's jogging. She's experiencing the grace of God. Well, her 16-year-old son was there with her and the parents have been praying for this 16-year-old boy um, to be a witness for Jesus, to be bold. And he had a sore throat and Joe said, well, let me pray for you to be healed, but God's called you to be a, 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 clary, a one who uh, declares the glory of God. And he didn't, Joe didn't know that the parents had been praying for that. So they pray that over him and the boy gets healed as a sign of God's calling on his life. Uh, then um, the husband uh, is there and Joe begins to pray for the husband. And he, um, by the Holy Spirit, knows all this stuff about the husband. The husband doesn't know Joe. And the guy not only is encouraged, but he's built up to say, God only, not only sees, he knows, but he cares for our whole family. That's the power of prayer. And I want to say this, if the whole family would have been loved and we just would have had scriptures and words and encouragement for them, they still would have been glad that we prayed. And God de demonstrated healing. But what if we wouldn't believe in prayer? We just said, hey, sorry, man. You know, what if we wouldn't have asked God, God, is there a word for somebody? Can I just say to everybody in this room, if you're a born again person, the spirit of God lives within you and we need you. We need you to be a person of prayer in the simplest form. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life today. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my home today. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my cubicle today. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my neighbor, my friend. When you pray that, you start, it's like a key that starts unlocking supernatural things that people desperately, desperately 
need. Well, let me take you on a little quick run through the scriptures uh, to land on this house of prayer for all the nations. The beautiful thing about God is that he always has wanted to communicate with us. <laughs> he created Adam and Eve for somebody to talk to. Of course, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they were doing fine. They are not deficient. But God created male and female that we might walk and talk with him and partner with him for his glory. Actually, our definition of prayer we, we, is this. We got to throw it up there, definition of prayer. I think we got it. Prayer is union with God through praise, worship, and thanksgiving, communion with him, walking and talking with him, and then partnering with him to see his plans come to pass. Of course, there's all kinds of other definitions, but I love this union, communion, and partnership because it goes back to Adam and Eve. They had union with God. They had communion and love with one another, and then they were partnering to uh, multiply the glory of God in the earth. Well, you know the story, sin comes in, and God doesn't change his plan to communicate with man, to partner with man, to uh, commune with man, but man no longer can see because of sin. So then God, of course, out of his mercy, begins to communicate with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He speaks to a man named Moses. I love it, it says this about Moses. Uh, Moses uh, God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I remember reading that as a young man and falling on my face and weeping and saying, God, I want to be one of your friends. So he speaks to Moses, and then uh, not only does he speak to Moses to deliver the people, but then he sets up a tabernacle that there's a, now there's a temple of worship. There's a place for people to see the glory of God, but it's reserved mainly for prophets, priests, and kings. And so, yes, God is around, but not all the people are able to engage. We see God speak to David. David brings the, 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 uh, the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of the Lord was. He reestablishes it. They hire a bunch of singers and worshipers because the whole deal is there's got to be an aroma of worship and prayer going up in the earth somewhere. And we're the people of God and it needs to be us. Well, of course, Solomon then builds a permanent a structure and a permanent temple. And the interesting thing about Solomon's temple is that when the power of God came on the temple to declare that this is the worship place of God, it, it goes, that famous passage that we are familiar with is if you guys don't honor God as worshipers of him, and Israel, when you fail, this is where Second Chronicles 7, 14, when you, and if you fail, you can literally return. If my people who call my by name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal their land. So even, God, even in the Old Testament, God made a way forward even if we didn't worship and pray as he made us to do, okay? So in the midst of this, Isaiah uh, prophesies this, Isaiah 56, 7. And he says this, those I will bring to my holy mountain and I will make them joyful. Everybody say joyful. Joyful in my house of prayer. Back to the adoration is the centrality of worship and prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. So 
Isaiah is declaring what you're seeing through the children of Israel, what you're seeing through this temple and worship, what you're seeing through prophet, priests, and kings is about to become a reality for everyone. Jesus shows up on the scene. He has this encounter with a Samaritan woman, somebody who would not have made it into the temple. And she is broken. She's had four uh, husbands. She's living with this guy. Jesus reads her mail and all that. She's undone. And she said, Jesus, what do I do? <laughs> you've, you've revealed my heart. I'm just a woman. What do I do? And here's what he said in John 4, 20. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. She was basically saying, where do I worship? Do I worship you? Do I go to the temple? I can't go to the temple. What do I do? And Jesus said, our fathers worshiped in this mountain. You people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. So here's what he's saying. Hey, you don't have to go to the temple anymore. I am the temple. You don't have to go to this mountain or that mountain. I am available for everyone all the time. He was prophesying after his death, burial, and resurrection, but he is also declaring to her, there's hope for you. You're a Samaritan. You're broken. You're out there, but not with me because worship can go up anywhere, anytime, and I'm offering that to you. I'm offering you living water by the Holy Spirit. So no matter how distant you feel from God, the distance is literally a prayer away. I adore you. I worship you, God, in my brokenness. I call on your kingdom to come, your will to be done. And the key begins to unlock the door and grace begins to flow. Well, Jesus, we see in his ministry and life, he teaches us how to pray the Lord's Prayer. He demonstrates how to heal the sick. He empowers people. So much great teaching on prayer, but that's not... Uh, today's journey, but we want to land uh, as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem before his crucifixion, and he comes into Jerusalem, and that's where they they all yell Hosanna, and the, the king is coming to Jerusalem. We we know from history that that's going to be his crucifixion, but everybody else doesn't know that. And Jesus goes directly to the temple, and here's what it says in Matthew. 21, Jesus entered the temple, drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Jesus is ticked. He is. He, and, and the great thing about Jesus is if he's angry, it's righteous anger. You ever try to convince somebody that your anger is righteous? Uh, maybe, maybe not. But Jesus for sure, if he was angry, it was righteous because he couldn't sin. So this is righteous anger, and it says he's clearing out the money changer. He's overturned the tables, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. In the Mark passage, it says, for all the nations, but you're making it a robber's den. Now, verse 14 is often left out. He comes, he turns over the money changer, he clears out the house. He proclaims this is supposed to be a price of the nations and for the nations, and you guys have defiled it. And then after he cleaned out the house, it says in verse 14, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Woo! Let me translate this for you, for you guys in a very simple form. Listen, clean out the house. 
the worldliness, the brokenness, the just clean out the garbage to make space for the rule and reign of God. In the temple, they were buying and selling these sacrificial uh, elements, animals, uh, to, to be right with God. And they were being overcharged and they were being, uh, burdens were being put upon them that uh, God never intended. These people were using the people for their good. And he drove it all out and he said, enough, we're done with all that. Uh, I have, uh, this house shall be a house of prayer for everyone, for everyone to come and not just for a few. And we're gonna get the world out of this house. Lord, I often say the one thing we want to make sure our home is, is a place of peace. And so we make sure what goes on our TV, what comes through our devices, what attitudes that we have and actions. Of course, we, we mess up, but we're quick to repent because our house is to be a house of prayer for all the nations. People should come into our home and find rest, literal house. But that also translates out into our neighborhood. We pray for our neighbors. May this area be a house of rest, a place and space for the glory of God. When you go to work, your cubicle, that's your domain. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let your rule and reign come into my cubicle in the name of Jesus. Your car should be a holy sanctuary for the glory of God. Your kid's school, I come in the name of Jesus and for the rule and reign of God, your kingdom come, your will be done in our elementary school, on my little desk, whatever it is, wherever you serve, you're bringing the rule and reign of Jesus. And when you're not bringing the rule and reign of Jesus, there is brokenness unfettered and no one's there to establish grace. And the world so desperately needs it. My encouragement is clean out the house. That's called repentance. And this isn't a heavy deal. God is so gracious. You just confess your sins and you turn back to Jesus. You clean out the house and you call in the rule and reign of Jesus. Beautiful. So grateful. Well, again, uh, through the life of Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, provision is made now for us to have access directly to the throne room. He ascends to the Father. He says, now I'm going to give you power to live out everything I just told you. When you wonder about the, the teachings of Jesus on prayer, and you, you say, well, golly, I'm trying to learn. I don't understand all this stuff. Listen, um, God has given you power not only to understand how to pray, but he's given you power to pray. And again, back to the simplest form. You can pray well. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whenever we, at, we, we evoke God's rule and reign, he comes by his grace. So we see the coming of the Holy Spirit. And it says this. Uh, Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.14. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Devoting themselves to prayer as a community, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers. So they're waiting on the Holy Spirit. They're doing their part. They're partnering with God. And the Spirit of God falls. The power of God comes on this community that was praying together in unity. And they began to speak with other tongues. And the uniqueness about this manifestation of tongues was they were speaking in the known languages of the people around them, languages they did not even know. And the people were stunned, and they were speaking of the glory of God. And they said, what is this craziness? And Peter says, this is that that was prophesied through Job, that the Spirit of God will fall on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your sons and daughters will declare both 
male and female, anyone under the rule and reign of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you'll now have authority to declare the rule and reign of God into any and every situation that you are in. We see the church now meeting house to house, the people of God, like we're meeting here. And it says this, Acts 2, 42 through 43. They were continually devoting. Everybody say devoting. That's painstaking diligence. They were in it wholehearted. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Woo! I want wherever I am to be a house of prayer so that when people walk into it, they sense the awe of God. I love that. I love that, I love that, I love that. Tempted to tell all kinds of stories, let's keep going. So they, the rule and reign of God now, they're diligent to pray, and then Acts 3, 1 says this. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. So they had a personal connection with Jesus, they had a house-to-house connection with Jesus, and now they're going to the temple, to the big house, for their hour of prayer. And we, uh, this week, we're doing Three days of fasting and pray, every hour on the hour. You can sign up for one of those hours. You can do it at home. We also have our house of prayer across the street. Every hour, we're gonna have people in there praying, worshiping, and calling out to God. And my kind of interpretation of this passage is it was normal for everybody to have a corporate hour of prayer. And of course, Peter and John were modeling that for us. And so we encourage you in your journey with us as a community to not just have a personal devotional life, have a family altar. We're going to talk about all this in a moment. But there is an hour of prayer. There are hours of prayer that we are called to so that there's a holy incense, a holy fragrance going up for for the glory of God, for our city, for our people that work around the nations. And when a crisis comes, we're ready. Let me fast forward to Acts 12 that exactly happened in the New Testament church. Peter was imprisoned. And it says this in Acts 12, 5, Peter was kept in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. Isn't that amazing? They were ready. They were on point. We've had many crises. I shared our friends in prison. We've had many crises through the years. And I love being in a community where I can call uh, the life group so I can call the house of prayer and say, all right, we've got a need. Everybody lean in fervently because it's time for a breakthrough and we can See a breakthrough if the church is in unity and fervent in prayer. You know, in this particular story, uh, they were praying fervently for Peter's release. An angel helps Peter get out of jail. He shows up at the house where they're praying, and they're shocked. They think it's an angel. They don't even believe the answer to their prayer was happening. And so you don't even have to not only pray perfectly, obviously in this context, they didn't even believe it was going to happen because they were so shocked when it did. Isn't that great? God surprises you beyond what you could ask or think if you're engaged adoring him and asking for his rule and reign to come in. Paul captures this thought in Ephesians 6, 18 as the people of God with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition petition for all the saints. Hey, I wanna just pause here. And I wrote down a few thoughts. The New Testament church, the admonition to us, Antioch Waco, uh, is to be devoted to prayer, to be devoted, leaning in. 
um, um, owning this beautiful grace that we have. I wrote down a few thoughts just from scripture and hopefully it'll be helpful. We are to be devoted to prayer unceasingly and continually, day and night, to not lose heart, to be persistent and consistent, to be earnest and diligent. We are to pray for kings and rulers and all are in authority. We're to pray with faith, with perseverance, and with power. We are to pray for and with one another. We're to pray for the lost, the prodigals to come home. We're to pray for our enemies and bless them. We're to pray for our friends. We're to pray for the lame and the sick, the fearful and the tearful. And we are to pray for the broken to be healed. We are to resist the devil, draw near to God to contend for the kingdom to come and to receive the grace of God. We're to abide and commune, bind and loose, take by force and bring into every situation under the rule and reign of Jesus. We're to be soft and quiet, loud and declarative. (laughs) It is what we are made for and it makes our faith not religious, but real and present. Not just waiting for then, it is to be fervent, continual, with thanksgiving and full of worship. We are to pray in the spirit and with understanding, with groaning and quiet waiting and listening. Prayer is an ocean of discovery for a lifetime, for it is a lifelong journey of union, communion, and partnership with the God of the universe for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to open up the gates of heaven so the king of glory can come in to our hearts, our homes, our cities, and the nations of the earth, that the beauty and power of Jesus will be known in all the earth. Woo! Devoted, to be a devoted people for the glory of God. All right, we've talked a little bit about why, a little bit about what, a little bit of how, but I just wanna end this la- uh, our time with saying where. And we have this diagram we use often, uh, we call the five circles of church. So where do I pray? Obviously you have uh, uh, all kinds of places that serves out, but I just wanna go through it real quickly. Personal devotional life. It all begins and ends with your own devotional life. If you're gonna be one who stays connected to Jesus, you gotta put the anchor in morning by morning. We had a group recently we challenged to do 30 minutes a day for 30 days. And we said, there's no way to fail. If you struggle or challenge, let's just dialogue and be honest with each other. But I want to encourage 30 uh, minutes for 30 days. And um, this one guy said, hey, I didn't know if I was going to make it past five minutes day one. He said, but now I can't stop at 30 minutes. It's become so alive to me. And uh, another person said, you know, I missed a day, but I realized I missed him. And I wanted to get right back on it, not because I should or I ought or prove anything to you guys, but I missed him. So many different things that we learn when we take journeys together. But the great thing about this 30-30 uh, journey, we did it together, not just individually, right? We've all made those re-ups personally. When we do it in community, there is grace. Personal devotion, you guys uh, know we have a book called Alone with God out there. Uh, in, in the lobby, it's available for people. Who needs an Alone with God book to know how to spend time? Yes, ma'am, right here. There you go. I like that. Devoted heart, way to go. But we have so many different things that I could say about that. But let's keep going. The second one, 
uh, Life on Life discipleship, in our groups of twos and threes, where we're being honest with one another, sharing our hearts with one another, those should be places of intercession and agreement. When I'm being honest with a small group of people, we're being honest with our own lives, we have power and agreement there to begin to contend for things that aren't right. It could be in my personal life, it could be in our city, it could be somewhere else, but when we covenant together, I remember um, when our first granddaughter was, uh, grandson, excuse me, was born, and it was a very difficult pregnancy, and it looked like it could get to a very intense situation. And Laura and I were in another country, and we were trying to get our tickets to get to where our kids were. And uh, we had an old friend with us, Kevin Johnson, and uh, I said, Kevin, we need you. We need you. And I, I, my mind was two or three agree on anything by my father's in heaven. And when we, do, we had hours to wait to be able to get on the plane, Kevin came up that night, and we prayed all night long. And I just wept in retrospect saying, man, I'm so glad I have brothers to walk with that when we need them, we can come together. People want to be there for you in this community. Forge it. Forge it together in the pain of life, not just in the joys of life. Twos and threes. Next one, house to house. Again, this would be the most normal way. Zach modeled that by saying, hey, enough. My house churches, there's people hurting. I, my life groups, I need to call people together to contend for one another. When we were first starting life groups, um, uh, Laura and I had a bunch of young couples, a bunch of little kids, and we jokingly said, you know, we, we had more kids than we did adults. We were way outnumbered. It was a wild thing, but we just said we're going to keep doing it. I still remember Danny Weibel holding one of his kids while he was throwing up, while we were having pre-meeting, praying for the meeting, and saying, we're going forward. It doesn't matter. We need God. And uh, <clears throat> early on, we realized we need God more than we thought we did, and some people were struggling, and we just said, let's get there together. Let's fast and pray for three days. And a lot of the group had not ever fasted before. And they see mean like not eat. And I said, absolutely. I said, uh, it, it's proven that you actually can survive. Now, again, that doesn't mean metal conditions and other things. There's a balance there. But for most people, you can do it. So we laid in. And I remember one little boy that was having a very, very difficult time. And things just changed. I mean, that's all I can say. And with several people in the group, things began to change. And it just made me believe again that if a house church would come together and devote themselves to prayer through fasting and, and care for one another, that God could do the impossible. Fourth one's the corporate area. I'm going to come back to that to finish our time. But let's go to the last one, the last big uh, deal. So this is as we go out from the church as a praying community for the nations, of the nations, you say, well, golly, you know, um, I know Antioch works around the world, but what about my world? Hey, you are right there, all right? Bring it into the school, bring it into the family. I don't know what to pray. Listen, what did I say? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not, what did I say? What did Jesus say? Pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You got one prayer to go with this week. Everywhere you go, we are salting and lighting this city for the glory of God in our workplaces, in our homes, and in the areas that God's asked us to serve him as a witness for his glory. So I want to land back to that corporate gathering piece. We're gathering um, the next three days with the Antioch movement. That is 106 locations in 45 nations. We got people planting churches, laying their lives down for the glory of God. In the U.S., we have 48 U.S. churches. Everybody's gathering together to take three days to fast and pray. And we're inviting all of you to be a part of the journey with us. 
because there's something about agreement that creates power beyond just individual assignment. And in one way, I'm putting aside my individual assignment for three days to get in somebody else's assignment, to come alongside them for the power and glory of God to be made manifest through our labors, through our work in the world. That QR code that Jeff's gonna show again at the end, you can click in and those prayer, the prayer card that you have is telling you when you click in there, you'll get names of people, ways to pray. But my encouragement, whether it's individual, whether it's with your twos and threes, whether it's your life group, house to house, whether it's as you go to work, may we all agree together for his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, not just for this place, but for the nations of the earth. Amen. Let's stand together. I started with the story of my friend's in prison and us praying and turning the key. And I made this little statement, God's handing out keys today. If our prayer teams can come and be available, I just wanna pray over anyone and everyone that is saying, God, make me a man or a woman of prayer. If you, if you are asking God for that grace, could you just open your hands to the Lord right now? course our prayer teams are already here if you got a physical mental emotional need you can just start coming we can have leaders up here i want to pray this lord i pray would you open up the prison doors in this place today would you open the prison doors in our minds or in our hearts or over our past lord may your kingdom come your will be done in this place and in among this people May your rule and reign, may we live above the snake line uh, in our thoughts, and our minds. May you give us new authority. And Lord, where people are struggling personally with a son or a daughter, uh, and I see in my mind's eye like their, their bedroom door's locked and you don't feel like you have the key to get into the room. And I just wanna say, if you're a mom or dad, you have the keys. God will give you wisdom. It may not be in the natural, but he will give you wisdom in the supernatural to unlock that door and unlock that kid's heart. We pray today, God, would you release that grace, power, hope, and help. And I see in my mind's eye, many of you feel like you're in prison, like you got bars and you're crying out. In my mind, I just see people screaming for help. And I just want you to know, Jesus has unlocked that door. You can walk out of it and you can walk into the arms of Jesus and to his people for the help that you need today. So if you're in the sound of my voice and you need help, you need prayer right now uh, for anything, you feel like you're in prison, you feel like your family's in jeopardy, you feel like there's a, a crisis need or just, man, I am stirred this morning, I need somebody to pray with me. Would you start making your way down wherever you are, we're available for you. And one last prayer I wanna do before we worship here to seal God's word. If you're in the sound of my voice, you don't know Jesus. Today's your day. Today's your day to be saved. This is your day. Isn't that amazing? The God of heaven has extended himself through his death, burial, and resurrection that by you trusting in him, you can be set free forever. Feel God's heart for you. You're not far away. You're not beyond 
his saving hand. If you need Jesus, just pray this simple prayer with me. If you don't know him, you need to know your sins are forgiven. You need to know there's hope and help. Could you just pray something like this? Lord Jesus, you can pray right after me. I need you. Tell me you need him. I believe you died on the cross for me. You're just declaring his sacrifice. I believe you rose from the dead. I give my heart to you today. I give my life to you. I am yours. Just pray it with me. I am yours. I give my heart. I give my life. I give my sin to you. And I receive your love for me right now. Lord, every man, woman, and child calling on your name right now, proclaim them free from the power of sin and death. According to your word, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I speak salvation in the hearts and homes of all that are calling out to you. Hey, as we seal this word with worship, again, would you just come? We're here for you. We want to pray for you. If you're sick in your body, if you've got a challenge or a crisis, don't be passive, but lean in and let us pray with you as we sing together.